This is the Tactical Leader Podcast, where we're on a journey of self-mastery and true leadership. I believe that in order to lead others, you must first be able to lead yourself. And in order to lead yourself, you have to first know yourself. If you want to learn the tactics to get to know yourself, to lead yourself, and to lead others, stay tuned to hear from industry experts as I unpack the tactics that they've used to build their business, build culture, and lead others. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of The Tactical Leader. Today I have the pleasure of speaking with Glenn Lundy. We're going to be talking a little bit about his journey to building the 800% Club and everything he's done from uh, being a husband, a father of eight, an auto industry leader, and a motivational speaker that's on a mission to change the way that you start your day. Before we dive too far into your background, Glenn, welcome to the show, my friend. Hey brother, thanks for having me, man. It's an, it's an honor. I greatly appreciate you. Man, I'm excited about this. I know our worlds kept converging from Taylor yeah. to Donnie to Brian, and all of a sudden, here we are, man. I'm glad we were able to get this book and recorded, and I'm really stoked, man, because you got, you've got a lot going on, and it's wow. been a while since I've had a guest like you on the show, man, so it's going to be interesting to dive into everything, but before we do, what's a fun fact? I know you have a lot happening. We're going to talk about a lot, but what's a fun fact about yourself that we might not touch on today or you don't normally share with an audience? Oh my goodness, man. First of all, dude, that view behind you is gorgeous. Man. I'm just saying, like, it looks like it's painted. Doesn't even look real, bro. You no, know, I don't always have a backlight like that, but when it's the view of Austin from the 33rd floor of a high rise, I'm like, let me go ahead and take advantage of this view. <laughs> <laughs> it looks great, man. Fun fact. Now, I'm, I'm pretty much an open book, so I talk about a lot of the, you know, I share a lot of things. I feel like it helps. Over the years, it's helped me connect to be real, be raw, be authentic. But I would say something that's more recent fun fact about me that a lot of people don't know, because I haven't had a chance to talk about it yet, is I am currently, and Zach, this is going to sound weird at first. All right, let me give you a little pretext. All right, a little pretext. I'm at a dinner. I don't know if you watch Sex in the City. Or if oh, yeah. you ever watch Sex and Say, don't tell nobody, Zach, but just no, nod your no. head. Between us, I mean, man to man, occasionally. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they did like a Sex in the City reboot, right? And yeah. in the reboot, they're at a dinner and Carrie says, I want everyone to go around the table and say one word of something that they want to get rid of in their lives, right? And so they go around and they're like, you know, doubt, and expectations, et cetera, et cetera. And we did this at a dinner a few weeks ago. A friend of mine, she says, hey, they did this on Sex and the City. We should try it. And when it got to me, Zach, the one word that I want to get rid of in my life is truth. And everyone at the table was like, what? <laughs> what? What, do you, what do you mean you want to get rid of truth? And I said, okay, well, if you're going to give me space to elaborate, I want to get rid of anything that I know to be true because someone told me and instead start to seek what is true through my experience. Right. And so I've been going on this crazy journey right now, bro, of questioning literally everything that someone told me to be true. I mean, if you look at science, when I was a kid, they told me there was nine planets in the solar system. That was it, right? You just had nine planets. Pluto was a planet. Fast forward, now they're like, there's thousands of planets and Pluto's not a planet, right? I was told by my kindergarten teacher that if you eat salt, you'll die. <laughs> so I didn't eat salt for 30 years, yep. right? And so I'm like at this point in my life where I'm like, 
I want to challenge everything that I know to be true, know with air quotes, and instead discover actual truth through experiences. Mm. So fun fact about me right now is I'm on a crazy journey. I'll probably end up in a loony bin with a straight jacket. The more I talk about this kind of stuff, but I realized in my 20s, I thought I knew everything. Or in my 20s, I did know everything. In my 30s, I thought I knew a few things. And now I'm in my 40s and I'm realizing I don't know anything, man. And it's kind of a cool place to be. Man, that's a phenomenal place to be because that just lead, opens the door back up to that infinite amount of learning. And man, I, I love that piece. And, and something that you really touch on, because I, I want to hit this because I think it's so instrumental. And I imagine going the path you're going, it starts pretty early. And you're one of the big pieces that you have is the rise and grind community. You have it as your backdrop. You're all about rising, grinding, getting the day going, right? Is that where this shift is coming from? Do you take the morning to kind of set the intentionality throughout the day for that new learning opportunity that you're giving yourself? Yeah, every morning is a reset for me. The first hour or so of the day is mine and and no one else is allowed in that space. Not words from music, not anything on my phone. Um, it's, it's, it's space for me. I spend that time in gratitude. I spend that time... Uh, writing my goals. I spend that time in prayer and I ask questions. I ask questions of my actions. Are the things that I'm going to do today ultimately in line with my core values? Are the to-do lists that I have on my calendar moving me in the direction, the trajectory of my fullest potential, right? So yeah, that, man, the first hour of every day is by far the most crucial component of my entire life. <clears throat> it's what helps me reset and builds the solid foundation to be able to do the things that I do every day. I love that, man. I know you do a lot of things and I know you have the 800% club, man. That's a big piece. Going like way back, I know you, you've you been in the automotive industry for a good little while. Everything from a general manager, your sales associate, you've done a lot in that space. But one thing I'm curious about, I'm always fascinated. What was that first endeavor into the professional world? Did you have the lemonade stand as a kid? Everybody like the Gary V thing is like, go start your own lemonade stand, right? Right. What was that first dive into sales, professional career? What was that first thing that you really enjoyed? Yeah, so in seventh grade, I went to Mount Eldon Middle School in Flagstaff, Arizona. And my mom, I used to drink a gallon of milk and eat a box of cereal every day. And, it, and, and my mom, they didn't have money for, for me to be doing that, bro. And so my mom was like, look, I'll provide the cereal. You got to pay for the milk. And I'm like, all right, how am I going to get money for milk, man? I'm like 12 <laughs> years old or whatever, you know? And so uh, I discovered that there was a place called Express Foods that was not too far from my house that I could walk over and I could buy a box of Blow Pops for $4 and a box of Jolly Rancher Sticks for $4. So for eight bucks, I'd have a box of Blow Pops and a box of Jolly Rancher Sticks and I could sell them for a quarter a piece at school. And when I sold them for a quarter a piece, I'd make 12 bucks. So I'd make $8 profit per box. So I discovered this, got a duffel bag and I started bringing bags full of blow pops and Jolly Ranchers. And I became the candy man. I'd sell them all around school. And I was smart about it, Zach. I was like, I knew, I know the teachers will get on me if I, you know, for doing this. So I actually sold my teachers first. I had, well, gave, I, I shouldn't say sold. I gave my teachers candy 
first and then I'd sell candies in the rest of the school. So that was my first endeavor into uh, kind of entrepreneurship was making eight bucks a day or so selling uh, Jolly Ranchers and Blow Pops. Man, that's pretty phenomenal. And it's something <laughs> funny, man. Like, I, I think we all kind of, those of us that own our own businesses now, we all kind of have that like, did something back in the day, hustled somehow, right? Have right, some right. Thing going. Have you seen that pay forward in into everything you're doing now? Is that a lesson you teach when you go and do the sales training, the mentorship that you do? Do you pay that that lesson forward somehow? Do you kind of draw those learning opportunities out of the people in your community to to further that for them? So the biggest part of that, right? I think everybody knows if I buy something for four bucks and sell it for twelve, I'll make eight bucks. I think that everybody gets that, and yet you see that we are in a society where there's a huge wealth gap, right? The top 2%, the bottom 15%, and then you've got this middle, this kind of middle class that lives paycheck to paycheck, and struggles to get by. And so the biggest lesson from that, that I like to share with the dealers that I work with and the people that I get the opportunity to serve in the rising ground community is find a value in the marketplace, something that's not there currently that people desire. Like, how can you solve a problem, bro? Right? Like at our school back then, you know, they they maybe had a vending machine, but it was going to cost you a dollar. You couldn't get a piece of candy for a quarter, right? You couldn't just go buy a blow pop in the middle of the day or a Jolly Rancher. And so I saw that the community, which at that point in time was a middle school, there was a void. And so by being able to fill that void, I was able to turn that into a both profitable and purposeful endeavor. And that's what I like to talk to my dealers about. People in the Rising Grind community is like, dude, where is there a need, a problem that can be solved that brings you joy? I'm a candy freak that brings you joy. And how can you fill that void? And then you figure out, you know, the profits will come from there. It's funny. It's such an interesting lesson to take just from candy sales. And you know, Taylor, my much better three quarters. And she's been <laughs> on this kick lately of the nerds ball. If you've had yeah. those yet, man, <laughs> like I'll come in and there's nerds all over the place. I'm like, she just got a pack of nerds again, man. She uh, has a bit of sweet for, for being a fit. <laughs> and she's so kid. fit. So that's man. so surprising. You say that, man. She eats. I got to be out here rising and grinding myself just to be able to feed the girl, if I'm being wow. honest, man. He's I like guess because she just, I mean, I guess she works so hard. She does so many classes. She can she can do that. You know, but no, it, it's funny. She has that sweet tooth. I know y'all have talked a good bit in, in that fitness space. When we talk about nutrition, when we talk about health and wellness, everything to the mindset, I know I start my day at the gym. I, I've got to set the intentionality through that physical piece before I start feeding it in my mind. Where do you, where does that all rank in in your world? Or are you a fitness freak as well? Are you more focused on meditation, journaling, the mindset piece? Where do you kind of get that feeding back into yourself avenue? Where do you enjoy that the most? There's eight pillars that I've discovered in my life that all need attention in order for me to truly feel like I am approaching my potential. Right? Is that each kid? Each kid is one pillar. Yeah, each kid's a pillar. That's exactly right. One pillar for each kid. But faith is number one. Family, number two. Fitness is number three. My finances are number four. My friends are number five. My career is number six. My mental health is number seven. And education is number eight. 
I spend at least a few minutes and moments in each one of those spaces every single day, like every single day. And I actually do an audit every week. I audit those eight pillars. Mm. So on a scale of one to 10, I'll write down, I've got uh, my planner right behind me here and I'll write faith. How was it the last week? And I'll write it on a scale of one to 10 where I feel I was. And then I'll look at that. And if I notice, you know, if I notice finances is at a nine, but family's at a two, we got an issue. Like that's not okay. There needs to be an equal investment. Now, not equal time, but an equal investment. And that's a big difference but there needs to be an equal investment. And so I'm not like obsessed in any one area. I am obsessed with maximizing each of those areas. That's really my obsession. So can't really call me a fitness guy and you can't really call me a religious guy and you can't really call me, you know, a business guy, but I am all of those things. Hmm. Which is huge, man. I think it's a great, I don't like the word balance as much and I'm sure with eight kids and a spouse, there's not much balance all the way around, man. But that integrated piece, right? You're integrating it all into each other. How does the, if you said family was that ranking second with you, faith and family, man. How does that feed into everything you do professionally? I mean, you got your hands full at the house. You got a whole zoo or a whole basketball team with the reserves going. I got them all, got, bro. Got them all. So how's that feed I got into them all. your professional life? I learn more from my kids than I ever have from any mentor. I learn more from my kids than I have from being a parent than I have from any, any business. But the biggest thing I've learned, Zach, that was a game changer for me. And my guess is if you're listening to this right here, I could, I'm, I'm going to share something with you right now that potentially can transform everything that you're doing moving forward. And what I learned having all these kids and all these dreams and all these desires is what I learned is to get rid of the word spend from your vocabulary and replace it with the word invest. And here's where this came from, Zach. I was talking to a buddy of mine and he says, man, I'm investing X amount of dollars in the stock market. I'm investing X amount of time in my business. I'm investing this much in myself. And as he was sharing all of those things, Zach, immediately it popped into my head. Every time he uses that word, invest, he's expecting an ROI, right? Mm-hmm. Like when you invest in the stock market, you expect a return on that investment. Oh, yeah. When you invest in, a, in, in yourself, you expect a return. When you invest in business, you expect a return. So the word invest immediately gets attached with ROI. We expect a return. And then in that same conversation, I heard that guy say, and this weekend, I'm going to spend time with my kids. I'm going to spend time on vacation. I'm going to spend time watching Netflix, right? Whatever it is, we use that word spend. And my guess is there's people in this room right now listening to this, that that's how they talk. They invest in their business. They spend time with their wife, right? It's just natural. It's natural language. But here's the problem with that. Spend is a deficit. If I spend five bucks, I got five bucks less. And there is no expectation of a return, right? So I got rid of the word spend and I replaced it with invest. So I now invest time with each of my kids and the expectation is a return. Each kid requires a different investment of time in order to get a return. 
My daughter Willow, if I invest 45 seconds of looking her in the eye, making sure she feels seen, heard, and significant, she didn't even she didn't want anything to do with dad after that because she's like all over the place, bro. She a 45 second investment. Instead of me being on the phone saying, hold on, hold on, wait a minute, wait a second, hold on, I'll give with you in a minute. And fighting with her for 15 minutes, all I gotta do is say, Hey Zach, give me 45 seconds. Hey Willow, what do you need? And I make sure she feels seen, heard, and significant. I get a return. She says, love you, daddy. And she's gone. I actually gain 14 minutes and 15 seconds by investing that 45 seconds. Now, my son requires a different investment, right? My son, he requires, in order to get a return from him, he requires dad to go out and run around and play soccer with him. Maybe go fishing with him every once in a while. He wants to ride in the truck with dad, right? Like it's a different investment to get a return. My business requires a specific amount of hours every week where I have to be live in front of my clients in order to get the return that I want to get on my business. But it ain't 80 hours a week like most people think. It's a very specific investment to get a return. And so I invest in my faith. I invest in my fitness. I invest in my family. I invest in my friends. I invest in my finances, invest in my career. I invest in my self-development. I invest in my education the right amount to get a return out of each one of those. And what's what's ended up happening, Zach, is I've got more time on my hands than I ever possibly imagined. Because when we go in with that intention of getting a return, you'll find that it's far less of a time investment than you think. And it's fascinating because you, as you're talking, man, I I love the investment aspect of it because you even think about spending cash compared to investing money in something, right? Nobody right. thinks about spending cash. It's like, oh, it's free money. Just throw it out the window. So it's funny. That's kind of what came to my mind as you were talking. And and you mentioned ROI. This is a conversation I've been having with clients recently in different avenues, right? From networking to business to investing time in different avenues. How do you define ROI? Because there's so many people early on in entrepreneurship that don't understand how to define ROI for themselves. So when you, for either for yourself or for the people in your community that you're helping, how do you actually define ROI? Yeah, so the return on the investment will change depending on what area of life it is that we're looking at, right? When I invest in my faith, the return that I get on that investment is freedom, zero fear, confidence. When I am in a place of anxiety, fear, worry, concern, doubt, I know that I need to invest more in my faith because those are all feelings and emotions that are not from a higher power, right? They're anything that makes me feel less than, I know that I'm not getting a return on my faith. I need to invest more time in there. Now with my wife, a return on investment with my wife, when she looks at me that way, where I believe she's realized she made a good decision. <laughs> you know that look I'm talking about. Oh, bro. Sometimes she looks at me and thinks, oh. and I can tell she's thinking, well, how did I end up with this freaking Yahoo? Man, right? And that's when I know, that's that when I know I need to make more. Man. That, that hits way too hard. That's way too true. It's, like, <laughs> it's, it's only funny because it's so true and it, and it hurts right now. I feel attacked. right but so that's it the the roi is when she looks at you like you're the the best thing that ever walked in her life and she knows she made a good decision obviously with business and money it's easy to factor in roi if i invest four dollars into a box of candy i get twelve dollars back out then that's clearly 
an ROI on that on that investment. So it really depends on what area, you know, fitness wise. I've been investing in investing time doing marathon training for the last 28 weeks or something like that. And the return that I'm getting on that is insane. Physically, it's not much different. Like I've I haven't lost any weight. My legs are stronger. I haven't lost any weight though, but mentally, dude, I've unlocked all kinds of stuff. I mean, I went from a sprinter mentality, build the plane while flying it to hold on, wait a second, let's land this freaking plane, tighten some screws, change the oil and map out a four and a half year strategy that's going to take us to a $75 million monthly recurring revenue company. Like that's the return I'm getting on that is this ability to look long-term. So ROI really comes down to a return that is putting you on a trajectory to take you towards a better place than the current state that you're in. And and it's so interesting to me because I have so many people that I don't know if it's stuck. Maybe I have thoughts on this. Maybe they get stuck on the only ROI I see or I need is that financial and they forget that third order effect. Because you talk about investing, right? That takes time. It's not an overnight yeah. investment for a win. And maybe that's where they get stuck. It's like, oh, I, I'm so hard up. I need that sale right now. Got to hit my numbers, right? Or I got to pay bills at the end of the day. And people get panicked in that. Have you identified something that gets people caught up there? Dude, that's freaking, that's indoctrination. Like, that is America, bro. Like <laughs> that is America. And that's, that goes back to the very beginning of this conversation where I'm trying to let go of the things I was told to be, to be true. America has done an incredible job since the early 1920s in the industrial revolution of training people to live in that existence right there all the time, living paycheck to paycheck and rushing to the next dollar and everything being immediate. And I've got to have it now and I need it now. And it has to happen now because when you think in 30 day windows, which is why you pay your mortgage every month, why your car payments every month, why your electric bill is every month, like every, everything's month to month to month to month to month in our society for a reason. They want you working 30 days at a time. Look at the news, bro. Biggest news story ever that you can think of will not be on the news in the next month. No one will talk about it in the next month. They've trained us to live in these 30 day windows because what they know, and I don't mean they like some big evil conglomerate. I don't know who they is, but what others know that most of us were not taught is that you cannot build empires 30 days at a time. It's impossible. It's impossible to build an empire 30 days at a time. It takes years, decades to be able to learn all the things you need to learn, position all the things that you need to position and make those long-term investments to get those the ROI. Uh, my buddy, Dave Meltzer, do you know Dave Meltzer, Zach? I do know Dave very well. Yeah, so my buddy, Dave Meltzer, he shares a story about lily pads on a pond. He says, there's a lily pad on a pond and it doubles every day, right? And so on day one, you got one lily pad. Day two, you got two. Day three, you got four. And he, he says, the 29th day of the month, half the lily pad or half the pond is full. And you think, oh my gosh, there's only one day left and it's only halfway full. But that sucker doubles the next day and now the entire pond 
is full, right? So the day before it's only half full, now it's full, full. And that that's really the way the world works is this long-term compound effect. But we've been indoctrinated to run in these 30-day windows so that we can't build that long-term wealth, power, influence, all those things that we desire. So I was grew up that way, bro. My parents lived that way. My parents still live that way. I'm working hard every day to break out of that. It's a hard mold to break out of. And I think the, the beautiful thing about what you just said is the awareness piece, right? Like if you're aware that that's how we're indoctrinated and attached to things, now you have an opportunity to fix that cycle. Otherwise, you just keep going on and on and on thinking that 30-day window and forgetting the and I've seen it so many times the you give up the day before it breaks loose. Right. And people, like you said, that 29th day, it's only half full and you're not realizing that the waterfall's coming. And I see it so many times, man. It, it, it's almost like heartbreaking to see an entrepreneur on the cusp and you're like, everybody around them can see it. And then it's yeah. like, oh, I give up. I can't do this anymore. I'm going to go back into the corporate world. Or I'm going to go do this instead. And it's like, I've had people around me do it, man. And it, it's not rainbows and sunshines, but man, to give up on the last, you know? Yeah, it's, it's a, rough, it's man. Hard. We've been brainwashed, dude. And that's just the reality of it. Look at what do most people do when they buy a house? What term do they usually go? When they buy a house? Yeah. Oh man, the, the panic forever. It's there forever. Yeah, but what, what term? How long do people finance a house? 30 years. 30 years, 30 right? Years. 30 years is the stand. Why 30? That's what why not 28? Uh, it's on that. Why not 25? Why 30? Well, I'll tell you why 30. What is the average age when somebody buys a house? Shoot, I don't Their know. Their first house. I don't know. I bought mine at 21. So I don't think that's yeah, 25, average, 25. Okay. 25 is the average age. Somebody buys a house. So if you buy a house at 25 and you have a 30 year mortgage on it, how long do I have you locked in as an employer? Tell you're 55. And when yeah. do I tell you, you can retire? Not at when you're 65, yeah. right? Like this whole yeah. government system is set up. Everything is set up to lock you in, bro, to lock you in. pay your bill every month. Go on to a 30 year. That way you can't move anywhere. You're stuck right here. And I'm going to get your best 30 years. I'm going to get from 25 to 55. I'm going to work the crap out of you. And then once your house is paid off, you'll be so deep with me. You'll be like, oh, I might as well stay the last 10 years because I got my retirement on the other side. And now you got your little free and clear house and you're making an extra however many dollars a month and you're giving me whatever you give me, I'm squeezing that turn up for those last freaking 10. And then I'm going to let you go at 65 and you're going to go work at freaking Walmart because inflation just kicked your ass and you ain't got no money, but you, at least you got your old freaking rundown rickety spot that you bought when you're 25 years old. But I'm telling you, this whole entire freaking system is designed that way. And why is it designed that way? People, I've had people ask me, I have very good friends of mine. They, they, they know my viewpoints and stuff. And they're like, yeah, but who's doing this? Who, who, why, why do they do this? Because it's smart business. That's why they do it. It's very, very, very smart business to lock someone in, to gain their trust and loyalty, to get all the work that you can out of them for as long as humanly possible for the least amount of freaking output on your point. Like, that's smart business. It's not some evil, crazy <laughs> Illuminati thing. You know, I'm not saying that doesn't exist, but I'm saying that's not what this is. This is smart businessmen creating, you know, they created things like 401ks and company health insurance and paid time off. All of these things were designed to keep people in the system, bro. 
That's the whole point of them. All these employee incentives, right? Like all yeah. these things that like keep you, that man, it, it is crazy to think about it. And it's something, you know, my first true professional job was as a police officer over in Atlanta. And it was one of those, man, there's so much they use and abuse you, kind of like the military, right? The yeah. military, same way. I got medically retired from the military because I my body was so broken. They're like, yep, you're no, you're no good anymore. So we're just going to retire you, go do something else now but they never train you into that next step, right? I see that right. a lot in those two communities. They get you so pigeonholed in this one thing, and then they almost convince you, you can't do anything else with your life. Like, this is what you're good at. You better right. stay in this field. And then they pigeonhole you for 30 years, like you're talking about, 30, 35 years. Man, when I was with the police department, I looked at my retirement. I was gonna have to stay there for 37 years, and I was gonna make about 37,000 a year in retirement. Yep. And I'm like, dude, there's no way. Woo-hoo, yeah, there's no that way. sounds awesome. No, dude, it's dude, terrible. Dude, there's no way, man. Terrible. It's crazy. Like I said, don't get me wrong. You know, people got to work. Like, if nobody works, you know, the country doesn't move forward. So there's workers, and then there's those that will pay the workers. Yeah. You know, I've got a team of workers. I've got employees on my team. I am trying everything in my power to create opportunities for them to build long-term legacy wealth. We have a very loose environment when it comes to our schedule. We shut down every seventh week, like all of those things, because I don't want them to, and I don't want my employees that started this company with me to end up collecting $37,000 a year when they're 70 years old. You know what I'm saying? I don't want that. And so we're trying to create something different. But with that said, like, not everybody can lead. Not everybody can take the risk. Not everybody can own a company. If we all own companies, we, we don't get anything done. So there's value to all of it. But I just, I like people to know and then make a choice versus being indoctrinated, feeling like what you said, that they don't have a choice. Right. Stuck in the matrix, essentially not realizing there's a whole world out there of options. Right. Yeah. And, it, and it, it's, it's fascinating, man. I love that you're putting all of this into the space. And the, the final question I always ask uh, my guests, because I'm fascinated by this piece, and it's a piece of leadership that really inspires me, honestly. And it's why I, I focus on leadership, the tactical leader, and I, I study leadership, everything from the ancient Romans that were ph- philosophical leaders, right? They were just so ingrained in that space that I'm always fascinated to know what legacy people want to leave on the world with the things they're doing. So I'm curious for you, all the stuff you're putting out there from Rise and Grind to the 800% Club, all the effort you're putting forth to make this world a better place as a whole for yourself, your family, those around you, what's that legacy you want to leave on the world? So I find the most joy in bringing people together, equipping them with the tools they need to succeed and inspiring them to be great. When I die, my hope is that my children will be lined up at my coffin for so long that their feet will hurt and they'll be begging for a chair because there will be so many people that will want to shake their hands that will look them in the eye and say, your father inspired me to be great and equipped me with the tools to do so and connected me with the people I needed in my life. Um, Just a line of people out the door, bro, like for miles. That to me, would be the ideal legacy that I could leave is to be a man that my kids could be proud of, 
that left not just a generational impact on my family, but on the families of others through the power that they have. I love that. And that's a huge one, man. When you look at entrepreneurs and you look at people that put themselves out there in the way that you do, man, it's a huge endeavor, brother. And it deserves a lot of respect attached to everything you're putting out there because I know it ain't easy. And I know, especially with a busy family, man, and keeping everything moving forward. And I want to give the audience an opportunity. What's the best way? If they want to reach out to you, connect with you, follow along in your journey, what's the best way for them to get more of you, Glenn Lundy? Yeah, just, you know, obviously look up Glenn Lundy. I'm everywhere. Uh, literally, literally everywhere for the record. <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely everywhere. With that said, though, I always love exchanging values. So I wrote an ebook called The Morning Five Simple Steps to an Extraordinary Life. And anybody can go grab it for free at themorning5.com. That's themorning5.com. And uh, you can download that for free. It just breaks down five simple things that you can do each morning to tap into mind, body, and spirit. And that's a great place for our relationship to start. And then if you find that you, you know, the frequency vibes at that point, then yeah, we can connect in other ways too. Love it. Love it. I'll make sure that's still in the show notes and link it over to it. Overall, Glenn, I, I appreciate the insights you've given today, all, all the great conversation, man. And then I encourage everybody to come back this Friday for Tactical Friday. We're going to get a little, a little bit more granular of a couple tactics from Glenn to move the needle forward in the way we're talking about. Glenn, thanks, my friend. Hey, thank you, man. Appreciate you. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Tactical Leader Podcast. If this episode helped you along your journey of self-mastery and has inspired you to do more, I challenge you to head over to myvoicechallenge.com so you can find out how you can discover your voice, claim your independence, and build that thriving business that you've always wanted. Again, that's myvoicechallenge.com.